This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now, the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. And greetings and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickering, coming to you from Blair Cato in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina. This is the last week of April 2023. So today is going to be kind of a catch-up podcast for us because there is a lot going on in the marketplace that I need to address. And so I'm going to be combining issues, including the new seller disclosure form that's just come out or will be coming out here in South Carolina come June. We have the CMLS rule changes. We also have a very important update on a law that many of you have been asking me about, and it has recently passed the South Carolina Senate. And what this bill would do would limit property ownership of certain Chinese, Russian, North Korean, and Iraqi citizens and several other people. Uh, and it could change and add people and add take people off coming here. So we're going to talk about what that bill is and how that could affect us here in South Carolina. And then lastly, I have an update on the Squatter podcast that I did just a few weeks ago with my friend Stephen Futerall. But before we start, I do have a few quick things I wanted to say. First of all, don't forget to save the date for the Cinco de Mayo. That will be on May the 4th. I think it's like our 8th, ninth, or 10th year we've been doing a Cinco de Mayo event. And it will be on May 4th at the 10 Roof here in Columbia, South Carolina on Senate Street. It's going to start around 5 o'clock or 5.30. I'll have some more information on that as we come uh, closer to that date. And the event this year is going to be called May the 4th Be With You, a Star Wars Fiesta. So all you have to do is come and enjoy some music, some drinking, some eating and conversation with other realtors. We will have a taco bar. There'll be some prizes. We'll have beer. And of course, we'll have some margaritas. So it's always been, for me, one of the best events. There's just a lot of people that always comes to it. There's always a lot of fun. We always just sit around and kind of just kind of relax and unwind before we hit the busy sell season. So everybody that's a real estate agent, you are certainly welcome to come this year on May the 4th. Next thing I want to talk about is our Chapin office. As you all know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we are opening our sixth location of Blair Cato Pickering Castellan, and our Chapin office should be open on May 8th, ready to do closing. So if you have a closing out in the Chapin area that you'd like to have it closed in the Chapin area, you can let us know, and we will certainly make arrangements to close that for you after May 8th. So we're very excited. We'll have an open house sometime at the end of May. And then lastly, I do want to extend a huge thank you for everybody who attended the summit. You know, we sold it out again this year, brought in some more chairs and added more people as the room continued to fill up. And I was just so excited to see the crowd that we had, the attention that everybody gave and how everybody stayed all the way through the end to hear our many wonderful speakers. I want to thank all of the speakers for coming as well. You know, uh, some of them come on their own dime and spend lots of money to get there to give you some great information. And as I promised you, I said y'all would all walk out with a really good to-do list. And I can tell you, everybody I spoke with said they had tons of to-do lists uh, to get working on. So very excited about how that turned out. We will do another event again next year. We'll probably move it up a little bit. A lot of y'all have asked us to move it up in the year, maybe into February and maybe to start the event a little bit later, like at 9 in the morning, to give our Greenville-Spartanburg agents a little bit more time to get there. So a lot of good advice, and we will be certainly listening to that advice and getting that scheduled probably a little bit earlier in the year of 2024. So really excited about it. Thank you very much for everybody who attended. So let's go ahead and get started with our episode. So the headline in the news this week was from Yahoo, and it read, South Carolina passes bill banning Chinese citizens from buying land. Now, this is typical of Yahoo and typical of the clickbait media industry that we're in. And basically, it's just really typical of all the media in general. It's what they call fake news. 
So most of this headline is simply not true. So first of all, let's break down the headline. It says South Carolina passes bill. It has not passed a bill. Only the Senate has passed a bill. And anybody who knows anything about government knows that it takes the Senate, the House passing the bill, and it to get signed by the governor. They admit in the article that none of that has happened except that it's passed the Senate. But it gets clickbait if they will say South Carolina passes a bill instead of South Carolina Senate passes a bill. So it's not a bill yet. It hasn't become a bill yet. It doesn't become a bill for quite a long time still. We still have a lot of hurdles to get over before this actually becomes a bill. Secondly, the bill does not ban all Chinese citizens from buying land. This bill, the headline here says banning Chinese citizens from buying land. That is absolutely not true. There are a lot of limitations, and it's usually about the type of property or the size of the property. The bill has many, many carve-outs. So a big, huge three Pinocchios, as they say, for the law that Yahoo is passing here and I would like just to say shame on the media for trying to get everybody up in arms. That is not to say that the bill will not pass and that it does not limit foreign ownership in land. But what they are trying to push out today is simply not true. So first of all, let's start with what is true. And what we have is a proposed legislation that has passed the South Carolina Senate. And it passed by a very significant bipartisan vote of 31 to 5. So that's about as bipartisan as you can get in any state to go 31 to 5. And what this bill seeks to do is amend South Carolina Code 271310. This section is entitled Property Ownership by Aliens. So we already have law on the books that deal with property ownership by what they called aliens back in the day. That would be somebody who is a foreign citizen, a citizen of another country. So currently the law as it sits, 271310, it prohibits any alien, regardless of the country they come from, for controlling more than 500,000 acres of land in South Carolina. Now, this bill that has been passed was passed by the Senate, as I said, 31 to 5, and it now sits in the House Ways and Means Committee. So it has to advance out of that committee, and then it has to go to a full vote in the House. And if it passes then, it's going to have to go to some form of reconciliation and make sure the bill, if the House has a bill that is similar, it's the same, whatever. And then it's going to go to the governor for signature. I personally believe it will pass the House, and I do believe that the governor will sign it. But being that it has passed the House with such bipartisan support is the main reason that I do believe it's going to actually get passed by the House and by the Senate. So what exactly does this bill do? It would bar citizens of foreign adversary nations, not all foreigners, but foreign adversary nations from buying some property in the state of South Carolina. Now, this is being labeled as the anti-espionage measure, but a lot of the opponents of the bill says that it's just going to limit or stymie oversee investment in South Carolina and claim that it says that South Carolina is no longer open for business. I don't think it says, I think it says we might not be open to business for for certain countries that hate us, but it's not saying that it's closed for countries that do not hate us, such as a lot of the car manufacturers in Germany, such as BMW or in Sweden, where we have the Volvo plant, and now we even have the Volkswagen plant. So it's not saying that we are against all countries investing in South Carolina. It just looks that we are opposed to certain citizens or certain countries from foreign adversary nations. So much of the concern of this for this bill comes out of the growing concern about Chinese investments in actual U.S. agriculture. Chinese control of significant farmland is the belief that it could result in control over our food production as well as our food prices and could cause a serious national shortage threat or even a national security threat. Currently, Chinese companies, as y'all may recall, just purchased Smithfield Foods, which is, in fact, the largest pork producer in the entire world. They also, a company called Syngenta, it's a top seed and chemical company, was also bought 
by Chinese companies. So if you'll recall back during COVID when we faced the meat shortage, Smithfield got a lot of criticism because they were exporting huge record levels of pork to China, despite all the shortages we were having here in the United States. And so this brought on a lot of the concern that if these companies are controlled by Chinese interests, that instead of taking care of the United States needs and producing for United States needs, they would simply ship the food over to China and take care of their needs first. So far, 15 or so states have enacted or considered similar type legislation. Currently, Michigan now is in an uproar and considering what to do because a Chinese company there is planning to build a $2 billion battery plant for EV cars, and it's going to be on some 500,000 acres. There's been protests by local farmers, large farmers and small farmers, calling on Michigan to outlaw the investment. Now, closer to home, there's a Chinese biomedical company that has, in fact, spent $28 million on a pending deal to purchase 500 acres near the U.S. Army Cyber Command Center here in South Carolina. And with the origin of COVID looking more and more like it was an actual leak from a biomedical center in Wuhan, and the possibility of China using the plant possibly to spy on our U.S. intelligence centers, this bill was proposed by Senator Shane Massey as the anti-espionage matter. This also comes on the heels of a company called Hunan Solar America, which did invest $33 million in Orangeburg County to build solar panel manufacturing plant there. But it's very interesting in this case because the company there is only leasing the land. They're not buying it. And the company is actually a California company, but it's owned by a Chinese parent company. So how far would this amendment go and how far down the rabbit hole are we going to have to check for Chinese ownership? Well, what we do know about the bill is that the bill would apply to citizens of what they call a foreign adversary. And a foreign adversary is one that is listed on the U.S. Department of Commerce list. Currently, those countries are China, Iran, Cuba, North Korea, and Russia. This list is interesting to me because while Cuba is considered a foreign adversary of the United States, the Cuban people do make up a very vibrant community in this country and have almost always been viewed as political victims of the communist regime in China, or in Cuba, rather. They have been viewed as political victims of the communist regime in Cuba. So it would be interesting to see why they are limiting Cuban ownership of property in South Carolina. It should also be noted that as countries are removed from the U.S. Department of Commerce list, the proposed law would no longer apply to those citizens of that country because it would, and it would also be noted that, that some countries could be added to that list from time to time. So we're certainly looking at what could become a political football. The bill would, however, let businesses operating in the state before 2023 acquire land for expansion. However, it does acquire the approval of the Secretary of Commerce for the state. The bill would also not force any current property owner to divest any property, as the bill would only apply to future acquisitions. So anybody who already owns land from one of those countries would not have to divest themselves of that property. It also would cover any of the foreign-owned companies from those countries on the list. So, for example, citizens from the prohibited countries could not collectively own more than 20% in the land-owning company, and no single individual could own over 10%. So they can't form an LLC with a couple of American citizens in order to try to get around this, because if the individual from that country owned more than 10%, that would not be allowed. Or if citizens from that company combined made up 20% of the ownership of the land-owning company, they could not own it as well. 
Now, there's one very large exception that pertains to primary residence and residential real estate that you'll be very happy to know. If an immigrant from those countries hold a permanent residency in South Carolina, they can acquire no more than five acres of land to be used for real estate use land only. So let's talk about that. What that means is that you can still do closings for people looking to move here on a green card or a work visa from these countries as long as the property they're looking at is no more than five acres and will be used as their residential property. Now, interestingly, I think they should have used this opportunity to apply 4% owner occupancy rates for these people as well, instead of sticking them with the 6% interest or the 6% tax rate that they've been doing for many years now. They can also, the bill also allows people from these countries to buy up to five properties, totaling no more than 25 acres if they're used for rental as well. So uh, Chinese citizens, for example, can still own up to five rental properties. Now, once somebody becomes a U.S. citizen from those countries, the law no longer applies to them and they can move forward with ownership of land as much as they want. Therefore, it's interesting to note that if someone from China on a green card wants to buy a commercial building for a restaurant, they would not be able to own the building for which that property sits. The interesting thing is I don't see who has the authority to enforce the bill. I've looked through the bill and I don't see who has the authority to enforce it. Um, Of course, it's not a final bill, so we don't know yet. And lastly, it also appears there is another competing House bill that was filed that has not left committee yet that would limit Chinese ownership, leasing of property or possession or any exercise of any control over any land or real estate that is within 50 miles of a state or federal military base or installation for the purpose of installing or erecting a certain type of telecommunication or broadcasting tower. So that could also place into this as well. So there's a lot of bills out there involving this. One has passed the Senate. It has not become law yet. Do not fall for the clickbait that Yahoo and these other mainstream media companies like to do. We will update you as we move on as to whether or not this actually becomes a true law. Now let's move over to part number two. On February 15th of 2023, the Real Estate Commission approved revisions to the residential property condition disclosure statement. So here are what those updates are going to be or those revisions are going to be. The first thing that occurred was the clarification of the no representation explanation. I'm going to read what it says now. By answering no representation on this disclosure statement, the owner is acknowledging that they do not have the current knowledge necessary to answer the questions with either a yes or no response. Owner still has a duty to disclose information that is known at the time of the disclosure statement. No representation should not be selected if the owner simply wishes to not disclose information or answer the question. Selecting no representation does not waive liability if owner is aware or subsequently becomes aware. I like this language, like it a lot, because no representation is a mess. Now, the reason it still has to be part of this document is state law requires us to provide the answers of yes, no, and no representation. However, as I have mentioned in multiple times, including my book, on seller disclosure, which can be found on BlairCato.com under the resource section for realtors. At the bottom of the page, you'll find that book. I have argued multiple times that we cannot get rid of that because of state law. However, what I would tell you is that in all of the time that I've taught classes or gone to classes for instructors, brokers, and owners of companies to discuss this issue, no one has ever given a good explanation of when you can use no representation. Because the question asks you, do you have actual knowledge, yes or no, of a current condition. 
If you don't have knowledge, the answer is no. They're not asking you to find out knowledge. You should have known. If you're to do any inspection, is do you have actual knowledge, yes or no? So there's truly never a reason where no representation should be all, ever used. And luckily, this now, luckily, this statement here now tells everyone what everyone should already know is that no representation should not ever be selected if you're just simply trying to avoid disclosing information. The other thing that the revisions to the document did is it expanded wording to the current questions about flooding, structural issues, erosion control, erosion control structures, and repairs that are made as a result of flooding, and flooding disaster assistance. It also talks about beach nourishment. Now, this section here, and I believe it rolls from section now 20 through 28, are going to be eight pretty detailed questions on about whether water intrusions ever occurred to this property during your ownership. Is there any soil stability issues? Are there any underground problems? Do we know of any flood hazards, wetlands, hazard designations, flood zone, flood risk, and things of that nature? So it, I believe this is basically a result of the 2000, what was that, 2015 flood that we had that a lot of properties flooded, weren't in flood zones. And so now they're asking you all of these questions. Have you made a flood claim? that hasn't been paid out or has been paid out. So there's a lot of information here in this section. They also included a question on the beach uh, nourishment project. Uh, it says number 28, whether the property has been assessed for a beach nourishment project during your ownership. I personally oppose this being in the document. I think it only affects six out of the 46 counties, and I don't think we can continue to add documents or questions to our document that have absolutely nothing to do with 40 out of 46 counties. We can't just keep adding because one state legislator has one person call them and there's a constituent complaining about an issue. It doesn't affect enough people for it to be in this seller disclosure form. But unfortunately, in order to avoid the state house continuing to cram down new revisions, we sometimes have to go ahead and accept what they're asking us to do. Next, it also has some clarifications on the roof system, a little bit more detail on that as well as what we mean by other pest infestation. So a lot more information on that. And then two other inclusions of documents or information that I do like was the inclusion of the disclosure of the first right of refusal agreement, as well as an inclusion for the disclosure of any existing vacation short-term rental agreements. So I think both of those were very good additions to our document. Now, the transactions that have begun prior to June 1st of 2023, you do not need to go back and use the revised document. So if you sign a contract and complete the uh, the disclosure, say, on May 25th, you do not have to go back on June 1st and do a new revised document. So if the docu transaction was begun before June 1st, you can actually use the old disclosure. Anything that begins after June 1st, 23, must use this new disclosure. You may not use the old disclosure for any transaction that originates after June 1. Now, let me briefly talk about the expanding document. I talked about how this document seems to keep getting bigger and bigger. And I do believe that we, as a real estate commission, as you know, I'm on the commission, we have to be very careful of continuing to add things every single time somebody comes before the commission. And we've added a lot in the last two years. And I hope that we will slow down adding things. And I hope that our state legislatures will, are asking for things to be added. Because, as I mentioned earlier, every time one of your constituents has an issue, we can't now go add another provision to this document. Eventually, this document is going to become so unworkable, first of all, and second of all, it's going to place so much liability on the seller. There's already a tremendous amount of liability on a seller for disclosure in this document, and now we're going to be adding even, even more to them. And if you believe for one minute that this document somehow protects you because of a seller disclosure, 
requirement, you're crazy because when your client does not disclose something that is required under this document, then your plaintiff lawyer is going to sue you saying you knew it and didn't disclose it yourself. I've seen it too many times. I've been an expert witness in multiple cases where this is exactly what happens because of the provision in the document, a seller fails to disclose it. They immediately then tack the real estate agent saying you knew it and you didn't tell them to disclose it. So it's creating way too much liability and it's expanding way beyond what our original state law requires. So I'm hoping that we will curtail some of this in the near future. Now let's move over to the CMLS changes. The CMLS, which is the Consolidated Multiple Listing Service, they voted on April 20th of this year to approve some changes to the operating rule number seven, which is report of change in status. So as of May 22nd, which is just a few weeks away, the following statuses will be included in the CMLS data feed. And I really like this. The first one is active, the active listing. The second one is called CSC, which is contingent on sell and close. And as you all know, in the Midlands, if you're using the CCRA contract, if it is contingent on sell and close, the buyer, excuse me, the seller can accept other offers that are better than this offer as long as it's not an, another contingent on sell and close. So even if it's less money, whatever terms, it doesn't matter as long as the second contract being presented is not basically a sell and close contingency, then you can accept those offers and bump this contingent offer. So it's very important that you, when you see in the MLS that the listing is contingent on sell and closing to understand that your client can still make an offer and still become primary contract on that. So that's a very important change. We now also have CCL, which is contingent on closing. That one, however, you cannot trump somebody. Once you're just you're contingent on closing, it's primary and it cannot be knocked out of first place. We also have AOC, which is active other contingency. PCI, which is pending contingency upon inspection. P3P, which is pending third party approval. That could be something like a short sale or a bankruptcy court. And then we have PEN, which is pending. So like those changes, I'm happy to see that they're giving more options for real estate agents. Be the smart agent and understand what the differences are here, as well as what the differences are under our contract. So when you do see contingent on sale and close or contingent on closing, you'll know whether your client submitting a better offer might make them primary or not. Lastly, let's talk about what my friend Stephen Futerall and I talked about on a podcast a few weeks ago called Squatters. And what we talked about was about how squatting was becoming a real issue in the United States and how people were getting access to your clients' homes, claiming that they had right to be there, refusing to leave. The police have very little power to kick them out, and it requires going to some type of judicial hearing in order to get these people out. Of course, in the meantime, they're living for free, using the judicial system to drag it out and damaging your house. So last week, Fox News reported in an article where a Florida landlord had been speaking out about squatters, and particularly a squatter in one of her Jacksonville rental properties who refused to leave and get a load of this, caused over $40,000 in damages. There were holes in the walls, doors were ripped off the hinges, there's even feces on the carpet. And when she confronted these squatters, telling them that she owned the property, they said it doesn't effing matter, using the real F word, of course. Now, this landlord explained that the squatters broke into her property by simply drilling out the deadbolt and replacing it with their own lock. She called the police. The police, police said there was nothing they could do about it. And these squatters had been staying in her house, probably doing drugs and destroying the house as it sits. And this is what she says. And I don't disagree with what she says. These squatters know the laws better than most attorneys do, and they use them to their advantage. And the police are absolutely hamstrung. They know that this is a civil matter. The police have, have absolutely no right to remove these squatters 
and treat them as criminals, as individuals that are broken in or trespassing. And they simply throw up their hands and say, you need to go through the civil court system and evict them. And what she says in Florida, which is not untrue here in South Carolina, it could take anywhere from 30 days to six months to get through the court system to get them out of the house. And if they know how to play the system, they could take as long as even 18 months to get out of the system. And particularly in this case, in Florida law, this landlord is not allowed to turn off the water or allowed to turn off the power. So she's paying for these people's water bill and power bills. So she's now demanding legislative action in Florida. And I'm here to tell you, we need to use the power of the Realtors Association, which has tremendous legislative power, and ask them to do the same thing here in South Carolina. Before this gets out of hand, and one of your clients or, or you as an agent get screwed over by one of these squatters, we need to have some laws in place dealing with squatters so that the police don't have to throw their hands up and say this is a civil matter and allow these professional criminals, which is what they are, to gain the system and be able to stay in a house for 6, 12, 18 months while your client's paying the water bill, while your client's paying the heating and air bill. Let's start acting now and asking the Realtor Association and the Home Builders Associations to get involved here and let's stop this before it becomes an issue. All right, so that's all the information I have for you today. I'll continue to update you on the foreign investment law. Like I said, I do expect it here before the end of the summer to be passed by the House and probably signed, but we don't know what the final bill will look like, but this is what it's looking like right now. Uh, Also, don't forget that we do have the uh, new change to the MLS, which will be effective May 22nd and June 1st of 2023. You'll have your new seller disclosure form, which you must use. I would advise you to go ahead and spend some time today looking at the changes in that document. It can be found on the South Carolina Real Estate Commission's website. All you have to do is type in South Carolina Real Estate Commission on Google. It'll come up and you go to the form section and you'll see the current form as well as the one that will be used here in June. All right. Well, I appreciate you all listening. I hope you all have a great one. Don't forget to like us, share us, and subscribe to us. And tell all the other real estate agents about all the great information that we're providing. And come again next week for another exciting episode of The Shindig. Y'all have a great weekend. See you then.